Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of McMinnville podcast. Founded in 2007, UUFM is a gathering place for people who embrace a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We are located in the heart of Oregon's Willamette Valley wine country. Please visit us on the web at macuuf.org, M-A-C-U-U-F dot org. And if you are ever in or near the McMinnville area, don't hesitate to stop by and visit us. UUFM gathers in love and service for justice and peace. Good morning. I'm the Reverend Margot Reinhardt. And for all of you out there watching, you don't know that just a minor miracle just occurred. We have been working so hard uh, this morning to bring you better quality sound. And um, things just came together um, in a way better than we expected. And I also wanna say that UUFM funds have purchased a new microphone for me. So hopefully our past troubles are, are over. So the reading this morning is from the Reverend Galen Gingrich. And it's in keeping with our monthly theme this month, which is commitment. Faith is a commitment to live as if certain things are true and thereby help to make them so. Faith is a commitment to live as if life is a wondrous mystery and as if life is good, as if love is divine, as if we are responsible for the well-being of those around us. So today's message is about how by committing ourselves to have increased spiritual depth, we can be more responsible for our own well-being, the well-being of those around us, and for justice work and for our planet. This sermon is inspired by the work of Unitarian Universalist Minister Reverend Dr. Kendall Gibbons. Um, I will put some um, information in the newsletter so that you don't have to remember everything I'm going to say this morning. And I just right out of the chute wanna say, for those of you that are concerned that this may be a message about God or the divine with the big D, that that would be my only message. I'm hoping you will be pleasantly surprised to find out that many definitions of spiritual can be used by humanists as well as other faith traditions and schools of thought. So I thought I would just plunge in right up front on that and go to a Christian source on spirituality. So I went to the Cambridge Dictionary of Christianity. Of Christianity. So please listen carefully to spirituality with or without God. The dictionary says, in contemporary usage, spirituality commonly refers to the human experience. This is called spiritual. In daily life. which is perceived to have ultimate meaning and value. The stress on immediacy of experience is sometimes used to distinguish spirituality from religion. Religion with its more formalized doctrinal and institutional structures. 
But most people acknowledge that spirituality can be found both within and outside the boundaries of religious traditions. Spirituality is a human engagement with reality at its most fundamental level. Whether that be identified as divinity of the cosmos or the deepest dimensions of the self. Spirituality connects belief with practice, feeling with commitment, and the personal with the political. Thus, spirituality may be understood as the human experience and response to all that is perceived as good, beautiful, and true. Seems like it's written specifically for Unitarian Universalists. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, today's message is inspired by the work of Reverend Kendall Gibbons. But I thought her work fit perfectly with this idea of commitment. Gibbons first tells us what we already know, that humans are developmental creatures. We don't, we do not come into the world with all we need for adult life. It actually takes 25 years for the human brain to reach its full development. Our greatest abilities physically, emotionally, and morally are something we grow into over time. And I know from my 25 years in social work practice that life places many things in our path that can enhance or stunt our development. We all begin in families who nurture and celebrate us, but some have families who also damage our self-esteem or bodies or sense of what is our inherent worth. Our worth is there, but those experiences make us doubt. After we leave our families of origin, we continue to have life experiences with others. We live in communities, neighborhoods, we work at jobs, we have coworkers. We come to faith communities. So all those experiences past and present continue to shape us into who we are. I look at social scientists also about that same assertion in spirituality that self-discovery and maturity help us return to the wholeness that we were born with. Jay's words this morning from John O'Donohue were perfect about that because John O'Donohue says, the wholeness is there all along. It is just that we have become alienated from it. And so how do we return? To return to this wholeness is to experience tenderness and joy, compassion and peace. Kendall says, and I quote, this is the human experience of longing, the realization of an open secret that there is no goal, no test to take and no one keeping score. That which is not broken is always present. Whether or not we have a name for it, whether or not we are paying attention, and the final recognition that you are, that each of us is, 
that unshakable truth that you have been here all along, waiting for the exiled self to return. That is what the mystics of every faith tradition have been saying for centuries in whatever language they could summon to their purpose. It is not a function of any scripture or school of thought, but of the human condition to move towards spiritual awareness and maturation. What is secret? to find that at our core is, funda- is passion, compassion and peace. I'll add passion in there too. The wholeness was always there. It is completely consistent with our first Unitarian Universal principle too. We all come with inherent worth. In our own Unitarian Universalist history, Universalists were telling us, don't have your eyes cast up there at the heavens. Stop worrying about your afterlife. What you need to be doing, your spiritual work is right here in the everyday. Reverend Givens also asserts that um, this spiritual maturity is what allows people of different faith traditions to coexist together. For those reading Valerie Carr's book, uh, See No Stranger, or is in the book clubs, Valerie Carr, Carr is saying the exact same thing, that it is bringing about this spiritual maturity in ourselves that allows us to embrace those who think differently than we do. For humanists and theists, for skeptics and mystics, prophets and seekers, Everything that we find here this morning today that allows us to exist in grace, respect, and upholding one another is spiritual maturity. It's also the bedrock for our social and environmental justice work. But what are the steps to unearthing this generosity, this humility, the sense of mercy and acceptance for ourselves first, which allows us to give it to others. How do we become self-aware and wise? I will tell you that Reverend Gibbons has about 16 stages for this, and I have really tried to boil this down into something more pithy. So I merged it into five. And I will put these in the newsletter so that you don't have to madly be writing them down. The first one is self-awareness in service of intention. To know what you want and have your behavior follow that goal. Our behavior follows a set intention. I recently came across a quote from a businessman that you may be familiar with. And I also think of him as a prophetic speaker and as an ethicist, as he tries to bring a human core to business. And it's Stephen Covey. Covey says, anything less than a conscious commitment to the important is an unconscious commitment to the unimportant.
So Margot's take is if you just fumble through your life, the forces around you will set your agendas for you. And think about that. Think about the systems of power that we are around all the time. Think about capitalism setting your unconscious agenda for you every day. So Gibbons and I will both say what it means, it means understanding where you stop and where the rest of the universe begins. So there is you as a person and then there is the people around you, the planet around you, science and nature. So if you can see that you stop here and everything else impacts you and you impact them, you can pay attention to the impact of your actions and the goals that you need to commit yourself to, to find those goals instead of mindlessly moving just from one experience to another. The second thing is an orientation toward reverence, wonder, gratitude. The person who has an orientation toward reverence dwells in and reflects upon the fundamental surprise that anything exists here at all. It could be a universe of nothing or no universe at all. To not take those forces for granted Gibbons said, when we take our existence and consciousness as an object of reflection, when we are able to stop being embedded in it and actually think about it, the very fact of existence becomes a source of wonder and surprise. Out of that consciousness and everything that consciousness encounters arises a profound gratitude and being oriented toward wonder. And that is the opposite of taking our lives for granted. So what she is saying is that out of gratitude, reverence comes. I've had this week the desire and follow through to praise the doe that walked into my yard and one day later, two young bucks who came into my yard that I recognized from last year. I went out and looked at the new buds coming in on the trees and the forsythia specifically. And I watched in joy as children ran down to the bus stop and later ran across the dog park. So it's the small joys that can bring out reverence as well. The third element in a practice towards spiritual maturity is the thing which occurs when we don't get what we want or what we need sometimes. It is the same thing for any of you who heard Domyo Burke, the Buddhist monk who came and spoke to us last summer, who also has a podcast. If you weren't here, you can catch her on a podcast. There are laws of nature what she said is that there will be suffering. We can do nothing about suffering. So the third element is to learn this path of surrender. There are laws of nature and science, and there are acts of other people that we can do nothing about, but choose how we will respond. 
There were recent ice storms in McMinnville and power outages all over Yamhill County. The advice from Reverend Givens to you is to develop the discipline in engaging in the world just as we find it. Don't get into distraction and wishful thinking about, oh, what it could be. Gibbons uses the example of 12-step addiction programs in which the first step is to acknowledge powerlessness. I will add that from that place of powerlessness is where we can create a new vision. So we're not gonna stop at what we don't want we are gonna to move toward what we do want. And that takes energy, it takes commitment, and it takes some self-awareness to notice that we are suffering and acknowledge, but to not get stuck there. What do we want to do next to respond to that suffering? Related to this, is the ability to be in the presence of pain without being overwhelmed, without feeling panic and allow ourselves to feel compassion in that moment. And I really think about the times where it is another person who is in pain and we are trying to be there with them and for them. I also think back to Domi Burke last summer when she taught us that part of deepening our spiritual practice is intentionally embracing and just accepting that pain is part of the world. And when we encounter it, the Buddhist practice is to transform it into something universal, something infinite. It will always be here and it will pass. Our ability to do this in community is tremendously helpful for those who are grieving. When someone loses a loved one, our entire UUF community feels that sorrow. And attempting to rush through that grief and attempting to make people feel better is not helpful. What is helpful is to validate the grief and just be with them. It's not statements about, hey, things will get better soon, but rather the statement of, I think about you every day. I want to know how you are doing. I'm here for you if you need to talk. Would you like to just go for a walk with me? Our justice work calls us to do the same. It's not our role to run in as saviors and usually as white saviors. Rather, it is to stand in witness and solidarity. When we change our thinking in that way, we allow others who are hurting, who are the victims of oppression, to tell us what they need, rather than us assuming how we can help. And then that allows us to be active and supportive in our response. Once we have engaged in that kind of work, then true allyship becomes possible. And we can avoid, or less often maybe I should say, acting like dispowering saviors or like tourists in social justice work. The fourth concept 
towards spiritual maturity, I have labeled as vulnerability. I used Gibbon's work in which Gibbon says, spiritually mature people grasp the principle that our capacity to contain joy is also the extent of which we feel sorrow. And of course, vice versa. That to love anything or anyone is to expose ourselves sooner or later to the risk of loss. Yet knowing this, the person who seeks to grow spiritually embraces love with its attendant risks, nevertheless accepting and even cherishing that grief is a measure of love. Here at UUFM, we've actually lost many people over the last year. And we are still grieving for all of them. And even most recently, we just found out about the death of Catherine Lundeen, who used to attend UUFM, she and her daughter, Hannah. So we think of them, we think of friends and partners and families. So we have taken the risk to love and now we hurt. Spiritual maturity also as requires us to examine mercy and justice, which are of course related. A person progressing into spiritual maturity will look toward wholeness, where beauty, justice, and mercy, and forgiveness, where they all come and intersect. Two, two Sundays ago, I spoke about the prophetic voice, and I made some references to Amos and Isaiah, who are 5th and, century, 5th and 7th century BCE prophets. The Hebrew prophets heralded that the divine, that Yahweh, requires us to do justice, but to love mercy. Mercy and justice also require true regret and change and reparation. We cannot grow and change without examining our mistakes. And I will add here that because we all make mistakes, shaming ourselves is not helpful. Shaming is that false narrative that you are not good enough. What is helpful in our process of spiritual maturity is to acknowledge our humanness, that we will make many, 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 many mistakes, both small and large, that we will sometimes think we have learned our lesson and then not and repeat it again. And that is part of being human. And again, shaming ourselves does not allow us to create that new vision. When we resist the urge to hide from ourselves by distraction, obfuscation, denying, blaming others, which I might add are also all human characteristics, but they're just the ones we want to try to start avoiding. It just requires that we get into the nitty gritty of saying, wow, I am horrified. How did I get that so wrong? How did I speak those words when it was reflexive and not really the nature of my heart. 
So, and then we have to ask ourselves, how can I do this differently next time? What shift needs to happen in me? Does reparation need to be made? And if so, how might I do that in a way that best supports the person I have hurt? How do I serve that person's needs rather than my own? So I am going to conclude this morning's message with an ask. What will you ask of yourself this week on your road to spiritual maturity? Remember, it requires thought. It requires setting aside time to journal or walk and think, to chat with a friend or a spouse. Talk about the qualities you wish to nurture. Think about how UUFM can help in this process by being a mirror to reflect our work and a cheering section for when we come across our human failings. Becoming self-aware, compassionate, humble, peaceful, and interdependent is not a destination, it is a journey. And it'll look different for every person and it looks different at different parts in our lives. We can't start until we define the vision of what we want for ourselves. My personal quest of the past year has been to demonstrate more kindness. Given states, it seems to me that whatever authentic and lasting happiness that has come to me has been on this journey not from seeking to get what I want out of life, but from trying to live into the person I hope to be. So our faith community here at UUFM and other communities that you are involved with can help nurture our individual and collective capacity on our way to spiritual maturity. Amen and may it be so.